everyone, and welcome back to episode number two of Agency Nation Radio. We're happy to have you back. I'm sure that you enjoyed our first episode, but if this is your first time, this is the Insurance Pros Podcast, where uh, Marty Agather, Marty, say hello. Howdy. And myself, we talk about all things sales, marketing, and automation for the independent insurance agent, and uh, you know... One of the reasons we started this podcast was because uh, when I started f- first working for TrustedChoice.com, uh, Marty and I realized right away that we uh, butt heads on a lot of issues, but that um, even though we often are, are not in agreement initially on, on a topic, uh, what we boil down to usually has some sort of value. And um, you know, we're hoping that by sharing our conversations with you, you'll be able to get uh, some tactics, tips, strategies, philosophies, ideas that you can implement in your own insurance business to help your business grow. That's what we're here for at Agency Nation. Um, Agency Nation is a predominantly free platform filled with educational resources, and we try to share as much of what we have, of what we learn, of what we find um, with you guys in an effort to help grow the independent insurance industry. However, before we get to our topics today, um, I want to quickly talk about, so as you guys will find out as as we go through in this podcast, Marty is a man of many hobbies. And um, I give his wife a ton of credit because his basement must just be like a menagerie of (laughs) of hobbies. But one in particular that I have a, a strong affinity for in terms of appreciating is um, uh, your various alcohol creation methods. Uh, what were you doing this weekend, Marty? Sure. Uh, well, this weekend I was playing with some wine. So um, I started brewing beer back in uh, the early days of home brewing, about 1991, and uh, got pretty fanatical about that for a while. Um, but the interesting part was when I first stopped at the homebrew store, I was actually there because I was in a phase of my life where I was uh, enjoying fine wine, and I wanted to, to uh, make some wine, but what I realized was what passed for winemaking in those days, if you didn't live in California or had access to high-quality grapes, was um, you basically bought a can uh, of grape concentrate about the size of a tomato juice can, you know, one of those one-quart tomato juice cans, and that's that's what you make wine out of. And I kind of looked at that, and I went, there's no way I'm going to want to drink wine that's been made out of a can, so I'm off that. And that's how I got started on beer. But about a year ago, I went to the homebrew store looking for some uh, ingredients for a, a mead I was making. That's honey and water uh, that's been fermented. It was the original alcohol, for those of you who um, are sort of trivia buffs. And... Um, Long story short, I looked and they had they had a wall, a literal wall of different uh, wine kits, all sorts of grape varieties from all over the world. Uh, if you want to drink a uh, Sauvignon Blanc from Australia or from California or from Chile, you can get that same varietal from those three locations and probably more. Uh, so uh, this weekend I played with four different patches of wine. I bottled one. Um, it was a uh, actually a Sauvignon Blanc from, uh, I think it was from um, New Zealand. And uh, then I I racked, process of making it, you move it from container to container a number of times to kind of leave some of the stuff behind and refine the flavors. And I did that uh, with three other batches. 
So long story short, that is about 120 bottles of wine that I was playing with this weekend. Wow. So now um, we know what we can bribe people with when we want to get things done. We'll just send them some of Marty's wine. I think that's a great idea. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe what we could do, Ryan, we should think about this. this is, we're just kind of off the cuff here. Maybe we should think about a couple of contests and the prize could be wow. your very own. So Your very let, own bottle. So let's do this. So this is episode number two. So if you have, uh, so I, I don't have a good contest on the top of my mind. This is this is part of the, the creativity side of my brain that doesn't work very well for some reason. Naming things and like this kind of contest idea just doesn't come to my brain. So if you if you're listening to the show and you have a good contest that you think we should do for listeners uh, to win a bottle of Marty's Sauvignon Sauvignon Blanc. Um, uh, put it in the comments. So uh, this will be agencynation.com slash show02. Agencynation.com slash show02. And in the comments for this episode, uh, let us know what you think the contest should be to win a bottle of Marty's wine. And, you know, as you're talking, Marty, I'm thinking to myself, uh, I think we're going to start the show with another one of your hobbies We'll talk about a new one of your hobbies each week, and that should get us through the first like two or three years of the show. We wouldn't even have to come up with anything else. We could just talk about each one of your hobbies. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Before we get on to what we're actually talking about today, um, how how long did it take you to actually learn how to do this? Like, Is there like a learning curve to this, or is it kind of like a kit? Like, You just have the jug, and you pour it in, and you wait the five hours or – 25 hours or whatever it is or 25 days and then you do it again like what is the learning curve to this kind of thing sure so um depending upon um what you're making is is more complicated i would say making wine is pretty much the the simplest at least to make a basic bottle of wine um the kit comes with the juice you rehydrate the juice uh they don't they 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 um extract a little bit of water so it's cheaper for them to ship it around um but you add a little bit of water anywhere from uh say a couple of quarts up to a couple of gallons and then um put your yeast in it you mix a couple of you mix a couple of things up but basically that's it and you let it sit and uh after a while you have wine if you're making beer it's a little more complicated in that you have to boil um, and add a few ingredients. Again, you can get it all mixed in, but that makes a pretty marginal glass of beer. So, um, and then of course you can you can take that to the nth degree of complexity, particularly if you're um, making your beer from scratch, meaning you're taking it from the grain uh, all the way through, or if you're taking if you're going to uh, make wine from grapes. You know, obviously you have to crush the grapes, et cetera, et cetera. So um, the key ingredients are, are um, the, the main base that you're going to make the um, beverage from. And then uh, there's all sorts of different strains of yeast which actually um, add characters of their own. So that's part of the learning process is learning the various yeast strains and what each of those yeasts does it. Uh, ferments at a different temperature, those kind of things. So um, it's that's part of the craft uh, rather than the science. I'll tell you, I was pretty disappointed. I, I went to um, I went to Napa Valley and. 
and I was in uh, actually I was in Sonoma, so the neighbor in the neighboring valley, which has some of the smaller vineyards. And uh, we were there during crushing season, and everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, you guys are so lucky! You get to be there during crushing season. It's one of the best times to be there." And uh, we were very blessed because of the weather. Uh, this was uh, late September, my wife and I, and. Uh, you know, I'm thinking crushing season, there's going to be like 100 people in a big bin stomping on grapes. <laughs> and it is not even nearly that cool. It's just uh, this machine and you throw them in the top and juice comes out the bottom. And though that was cool, I was hoping to see at least one of the vineyards like old school style, like having a dance party, crushing grapes and like the grapes like coming out and everyone has like purple feet and stuff. But it just it wasn't nearly that cool. Yeah, but, you know, then you end up with toe jam wine, so (laughs) nobody likes that. All right, on that note, toe jam wine. We just named our podcast episode. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) actually, actually, I would pay to see you stomping grapes. We should actually get a picture of that and then use that in the episode. Uh, All right, so let's get on to what we actually want to talk about. So, what we're going to talk about today is... You know, something that we talk a lot about here at uh, specifically at trustedchoice.com um, because it, it, you know, it directly impacts our business and, and just the nature of uh, the internet and, and how much of our work is done online. Um, and that's Google and their new Google Compare product, which they've come out with in the U.S., uh, specifically in, in California to start. Um, but we know that they are actively working on uh, releasing Google Compare uh, to other states. Um, you know, we we specifically decided to not talk about Google Compare in our very first episode because it is a topic that for the last uh, two or three months has really been rolled over from kind of the announcements that it was coming to its actual release to now kind of looking at what's been going on after its release. And so we didn't want to make it the focus of the very first episode, but it is a huge topic. And uh, for those of you who are listening to this and saying, you know, I'm an independent insurance agent, my clients, you know, the clients that would work with me would never consider Google Compare. Um, I hope that uh, you will listen. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong because you may not be wrong. Um, but, but I hope that you will listen through this because I think that um, there are a lot of facets to this story. And it's not just the direct that Google is now has a insurance platform. There are so, there are so many more layers to this thing, and I think that uh, a lot of the impact that we'll feel at least initially as an industry is kind of is kind of the 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 peripheral things, the supplemental things. Um, I don't think it's that this this Google Compare product is going to come in and roll over us. I 100% don't think that's the case. And and actually, uh, as Marty and I were talking a little bit about before the show started, there's actually some opportunities here for independent insurance agents, potentially. And we'll talk about what those might be. But, um, you know, Marty, if you could kind of just break down for us a little bit, like for, for people who maybe have heard about Google Compare and just haven't taking the time to really figure out or understand what this thing is like at a baseline level what what is google doing what is this google compare product well certainly so uh google has been in the business of insurance for quite some time even though they haven't been directly in the um marketing of it but in google ads uh, has have been taking lots and lots of money from insurance companies for quite some time. 
uh, they Google decided that there was an opportunity to get into the the field, uh, and they started in the UK and uh, came up with Google Compare, and and essentially it's a way for uh, multiple carriers to get their product in front of a shopper. It's the typical comparative uh, rating process where carriers who want to be in the mix um, participate, and then their rates are presented to uh, the insured. Here in the U.S., Google Compare launched on the West Coast. It's California only today, although we believe that they are going to be expanding um, into additional states in the near future. As you mentioned, it is auto only right now. So um, if you're an agent in New York or Iowa, I think you're you know, fairly... Um, well supported in your presumption that Google's not necessarily going to compete with you today. I, I don't I, I don't know that they don't have a bigger game in mind, but uh, if all they're going to do it in the near term is offer consumers comparative rates for auto only, um, their impact will be in the near term fairly uh, minor. I don't I don't think Google being in the business is going to immediately impact any independent agency uh, or actually captive agent for that matter as well. Um, however, I think over time that that initial minimum impact may carry more uh, weight than some observers tend to believe today. Yeah, so, so let me... So the temptation is the word that I would say to agents. This is this is where Google not so the direct actions. This is what I'm talking about. The direct action of Google having an auto insurance comparison platform. I do not think is going to impact agents in a, in a direct way. That so that that specific thing isn't what it is. The issue is 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 the psychology um, that's that's or the the, the um, it's the thought process of consumers that's being infected by the idea. Uh, so, so let me explain what that means because that sounds kind of convoluted. So, uh, Marty, you're an ins- you're an independent insurance agent, and I'm your consumer or I'm your customer, and uh, I've been with you for ten years, and we, for all intents and purposes, we have a good r- relationship. I've always felt like you've served me well and given me good rates and put me with a good carrier, and you've been responsive and and whatever. We don't talk every day, but I feel like we have a good relationship. I have no no ill will against you and ha- really have no um, no intention of, of leaving. No, nothing has ever happened that would make me think that I would need to leave, right? And, and this is the case for so many clients of independent insurance agents because we do have the superior product in many ways. However, um, I get a bill in the mail from my insurance carrier and it's nothing significant, a slight raise. You know, this happens all the time, right? It's happened before in our relationship over the last 10 years. But I get a slight raise. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm watching Game of Thrones on, on, uh, on Sunday night. And I see this, this uh, notification come through. And, and uh, I have my computer open while I'm watching. And actually, if it was Game of Thrones, I probably wouldn't have my computer open. But I'm watching House Hunters International. And, uh, and I, bing, 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 I go, "Ah, okay, well, you know, I see it went up a little bit. And, um, and I type auto insurance into my computer and bang, up pops Google compare. Now I, 
I have no intention of using them for 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 my insurance. But but I I'm intrigued, right? How can geez, they have I've seen that carrier before. Okay, well, I'm going to check this out. It's temptation, right? And what it is is it starts to infect the brain of our clients to to believe that the process of pure procuring insurance is easy. That's what I see Google Compare doing. Not taking business from us necessarily, at least not at least not directly because I agree in many in many in many capacities that um, the the client who chooses an independent insurance agent wants more than the surface relationship. I I completely believe it. It's why I love our industry. But but we these clients you can't help but start to believe that geez they can provide me with seven quotes in uh, a split second by putting in a few pieces of information. Like how hard is it for my agent to do that? Why didn't he Why didn't he call or why didn't she send me an email to let me know? And all of a sudden. A business process that you have gone through for 30 years and and not had problems with, people start to believe that things should be different. And that's where we start to get in trouble because now it's creating this false sense of of what we do and how easy something should be or, or when you should be communicated with. And that's where I see the issue starting to creep into our business if we're not um, if we're not prepared to handle those. Can I, can I uh, jump in there for a second, Ryan? Yeah, that was very long. I'm sorry. I was I, up in my okay. box for a few minutes there. That's okay. No, I, I think one of the things that you touched on but that I want to tease out a little bit is um, the ease and most importantly, the anonymity of going to Google. So we trust Google. They've been there. We know that logo. We love their little animations every other week, right? So Google is a Google is a trusted resource. And but it's anonymous. If you want to check out to see if I'm really doing my job, right? I'm your agent. You don't have to go make a big stink. You don't have to walk into the agency down the street from me. Nobody has to know. You do it from the from the security of your couch. While the TV's on, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. It's it it's not the direct impact that's ultimately going to be. You know, it's not the direct action of buying from them. It's the mindset change, right? And it's the fact. And, and we're already starting to see this, you know, and thing in 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 some of our other competitors like uh, like Geico and Progressive and Insurance, who who are um, very comfortable at very comfortable, easy online processes and, and ways of communicating, uh, consumers are already starting to see that it is very possible to have relationships with um, insurance businesses and in, in the various variety that they take, you know, carrier, um, a comparison site like this, or, or even uh, with agencies, that... Um, that, that it, you can have these easy online experiences. You can chat with someone in a box on your computer screen, or um, text message with them, or or communicate with them via some form of social media. And then you know, and, and this is where, and, and anyone who's ever been in one of my presentations knows that uh, this is another one of my soapboxes. Is that uh, is that we have to start thinking about the way we do business, not from the standpoint of this is what got us here, but I think, and, and Marty, you said this. You know, you said this in one of the articles that you wrote on Agency Nation. 
that this is a watershed moment, not so much in that all of a sudden we're going to get obliterated. That's that's not even close to what's going to happen. But it is going to start to weed out the agencies who uh, continue to look backwards from the ones who are willing to look at what the next 30 years of, of running an independent insurance agency is going to look like and start to make the changes to become that thing. Absolutely. I think it's also one more step in this process, and I'm, I'm going to use some words that are going to raise the hackles of some of our listeners, I'm sure. But this gets to this issue that we've talked about for quite some time in the business, and that's the commodification of of insurance. And while, Ryan, I know you feel just like I do that there is no way that insurance is a commodity, unfortunately, we as professionals know that, but the consumers who are ultimately making the decision don't. Yeah. All of all of the advertising that's out there today, the vast majority of it is one insurance policy is as good as another. And the only differentiating factor is the company that brings it to you and what the bottom line price is. And and that I believe is another one of the one of the key components of Google getting in the game is it's going to further reinforce the message it's all the same. Yeah, um, so perception is the, is the key here, right? Um, one of the things that drives me nuts is when um, you know I, I'm, I'm talking to an agent and we're, we're, we're working through maybe their, their digital process or some of the things that they're doing inside their agency and they'll say to me, you know, Ryan, um, uh, the insurance business isn't a commodity, and that's why I sit down with all my clients face to face, right? And I love it. I love, I love the passion and the 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 wanting to have that relationship. But what we have to become more comfortable with as an industry, uh, and what what I preach from every soapbox that I can jump up onto, is that is that it is no longer what we want, right? We can't dictate to our clients. The type of relationship that is, or the, the type of communications and the type of interactions that establish a relationship. We have to understand that text message can be establishing a relationship. Facebook message can be a, a, a relationship. Email, phone call, in person, and then it's really not just one of those things, but our ability as a business to communicate over all the various forms of communication that uh, actually start that actually creates that valuable relationship to someone who's 22 years old today they can have what they would consider a valuable relationship via text message they don't have to see you talk to you they don't even have to write in complete sentences and they can consider you a valuable resource in their life because this is their generation this is the way that they communicate and to a lot of independent insurance agents they're say I can't I don't think that that's a valuable relationship it doesn't matter what you think it matters what the client thinks and that's how we make sure that our business is never a commodity we have the best product we now need to become the best marketers we're never right. going to spend an, we're never going to spend as much as they are but we can be better at talking about our business we can be more nimble than they can we can be more nimble. We're smaller in the fact that we're these little pocketed businesses. We can be more nimble, and if we embrace that, we can win. 100% I believe that with every fiber of my body. So 
this is sort of how you and I work um, in that uh, this was not pre-planned, but it's perfect. Earlier today, I was doing a little bit of research uh, on customer loyalty. And I came across an article that was just written in Entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur.com. And uh, one of the, it's a three-step process for ensuring customer loyalty. And uh, their third step is to follow the rules. And uh, that sounds a little bit odd until you read into the article. And there's two rules that they suggest. The first rule is the golden rule which we all learned as, you know, knee-high to a grasshopper, um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? So the, the whole thing, treat people the way you want to be treated. Uh, the second rule that they say that you should follow, they call the, the Google Platinum Rule, which I had never heard of. So it, it fits first because we're t- on the subject of Google. The second reason it fits is... Um, Interact with people in the way that they prefer. Mm. And this goes right to your point, yep. uh, Ryan. If somebody contacts, I'm reading from the article now, if somebody contacts you through email, follow up using email. If another reaches out via social media, reply via social media. So the whole point that you're, that you're getting at here is that New rules are being laid down. We're paving new cow paths, so to speak. And those agencies that are going to survive are the agencies that see where the world is going and react to get to where the world is going rather than saying, I've always done it this way and the world will come, you know, this madness will stop at some point and we'll go back to the old methods. I don't think so. Yeah, no. So this is um, so something I, I actually said. I was recently at the New Mexico uh, Big Eye um, convention they just had. I don't think it's their annual convention, but um, I had a group of about 75 agents in the room. And, um, and one of the agents said to me, you know, I had someone that wanted to communicate with me via text message. And I... Uh, told them that you know I didn't want to communicate that way that I would do business with them, but only if they came in and 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 sat down with me. And he and I said, well, why did you say that? And he said, well, I feel most comfortable when I'm sitting down with them. That's how I establish relationships with people. And I said, your mistake is the word I. Right? He said, I feel most comfortable. I do establishing a relationship when someone is across a desk from me. And uh, I think that we became a little too comfortable because for much of the history of our industry, we were able to demand uh, that people come in, uh, not just because of technology, but also because it was a, it was a, there wasn't a lot of information about it. It often was very confusing to people who weren't in the business and, and people came into businesses. You went and saw your banker. You went and saw your attorney. You went and saw all these things. So it made sense that you would go and see your insurance agent. Well, my response to him was, um, look, I am I am an incredible risk for an independent insurance agent as a, as a person. I own two cars. Uh, I own a house. My wife and I have incredible insurance scores. We never get in accidents. We pay our annual premiums in full. You know, incredible risk to have. <clears throat> you know, you're I, we're the kind of risk that if we do business with you, we'll never leave. We never 
you never hear from us. We never bother you. It's all good. I am never, ever going to walk into an independent insurance agency and sit down with somebody. Ever. I have no desire to ever do that. I'm incredibly busy. I have a small child. If you were to say to me, Ryan, I want to write your insurance, but you got to come in and talk to me in my agency, I would say, sorry, I'm going to call somebody else. 100%. This just happened with a fencing contractor. The guy wanted me to go to his office and look at fence. And I said, no, send me pictures. I'm not going to your fencing showroom and looking at the fence. I don't care. Send me the pictures of the fence. I'll pick the fence that I want, right? And he's like, whoa, we really want you to come in and blah, blah. And it's like, "Mm, nope, not happening. I'm not going into your showroom. I know the kind of fence I want. I've done the research. Send me the pictures of the fence. I'll show you the fence that I want. You come out and measure it and then email me a price and we'll decide, right? But to that contractor, how he did business best was me walking through the various types of fence that he had, talking about how he put this one into 700 homes and blah, 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 blah. And and that is not what I need out of my profession. I need them to be good at their job, knowledgeable, prompt, and to communicate me with me on the terms that I want to communicate. And I think that as an industry, um, the agents that are adopting that practice are the ones who are setting themselves up for success with this millennial generation that is coming on us uh, like a tidal wave. We are a bit off topic. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Here's the other thing. Here's another thing. So talking about millennials – uh, and I'm completely okay with being off topic because um, I think this is really valuable conversation and, and this is some of my soapbox stuff. And I'm like bo- completely bogarting this episode and I apologize, Marty, but you got me rolling here and you know what happens. Once you wind me up, it's hard for me to slow down. Um, here's the other thing with millennials, and this is the last thing I'll say and then I promise I'll let you talk, is that uh, millennials are now buying homes, right? So for a long time, I think – we thought of millennials as a strange young generation of people who communicated in weird ways that we didn't necessarily have to worry about because they didn't really own anything. Well, um, I am actually the oldest of the millennials. So I'm 34 years old, 1981 I was born, and uh, we're the first wave of the millennial generation, kind of this weird mix of X and Gen, you know, Gen Y and Gen X. And... Um, but the, the true millennials are now hitting home buying age, 27, 28, 29, 30. And uh, according to uh, an article that I found on Google, I actually, wrote a, I actually wrote an article on Agency Nation kind of breaking this down. Some research that I found on Think with Google, um, uh, millennials are the fastest growing demographic in the entire country for home buying. And they're moving out of their parents' basements, out of apartments, and moving out to the suburbs now. And now they're buying homes. So uh, we're hitting the, the the kind of the point where um, we need to be able to uh, to communicate with these people and get them into our system. Because if we get them in our system now, if we get them into the independent insurance agency system now, then they'll be there forever. We know that. But it's what we don't want to have them do is not get in now and then try to sell them on it twenty years from now. That's where the problem will be because they'll never come back. But if we can get them in now, we'll have them and they'll never leave. Absolutely correct. Um, and uh, I think I think that's a great segue back to uh, back to the discussion on Google, because my personal belief is 
that Google's ultimate designs on where they're going, auto is just the first uh, step on the journey. And so I, as, as you indicate, Ryan, home buying, that there's huge uh, opportunities in the homeowner's market. And whatever Google is learning in auto, I think is very easily transferred to the home market as well. Yeah, I, I am with you. And and while the home the homeowners market isn't as con- contiguous or um, perhaps as as easy uh, because there's how many you know hundreds of thousands of Toyota Camrys and there's probably only one house exactly like yours and only one house exactly like mine. Um, that doesn't mean that uh, they that they can't figure that out. So um, I think there's a real opportunity, and 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 so Google is Google is poised to compete. The question is, who are they competing with, and and how does that affect your agency? From my perspective, again, I don't think any single individual agency is going to feel the pinch of uh, some of the consumers moving to. Um, the Google Compare platform and ultimately making buying decisions based upon the information that they're finding there. But I do think over time um, that trend begins to impact the typical agency. And I think that over time, more importantly than the, um, the business that you lose to the platform, I think where it really starts to hit agency owners is in the pocketbook, is in the value of their book of business. Because what happens is as the trend of the business moving in a new direction accelerates, the amount of money that somebody's willing to pay for your personal lines book of business, if that's where, you know, let's just stay on that level right now for the Google uh, compare options, the, the more of the business and the more the trend leads to to the business going in that direction, the less an acquirer is willing to pay for that portion of your book of business because they're going to know that that's going to be eroded day after day after day. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. You know, it's, I think that this is such a big topic and I know people are probably a little worn out on it um, just because there's been so much uh, commentary throughout the industry, but you know, I kind of want to wrap up our discussion for today on it because there's um, an actual kind of direct marketing tactic that I want to talk about next. But um, it's just there's more to be said about this. You know, uh, if you see Marty or myself or, or, or really anybody um, who, who likes to think about these kind of things at an upcoming conference or meetup or, or just you're getting together with some other agent friends, you know, I think these are important discussions to have. Um, even if the answer is we're not sure of how to attack it yet or we're not sure, you know, are there partnership opportunities with Google? Are there ways that we can work with them? Will they ever open it up to independent insurance agents or carriers? I know uh, some carriers have dove in and there's been some reaction. I, I, I think there's no solution today. I think the solution, the, 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 the best practice for today is just start to open up our minds in general as an industry. You know, Mar- Marty and I, um, uh, have this unique position where we we get to look over the complete landscape of the industry, not just um, you know uh, Southern Iowa or uh, upstate New York, right? We we get to look over the whole landscape and kind of see where these things are impacting. And um, 
you know, I, I just think it's it's good to have an open mind to what's coming and and start to find ways to to um, uh, capture and communicate with with uh, clients via text message or uh, Facebook private message or or whatever else. Um, you know, don't look at them as oh we can't do that. I think we just we have to over time, you know, and, and maybe quicker rather than or sooner rather than later, um, start to think. Okay, so I'm getting people that are texting me. I need to make sure for E&O purposes that I am, am capturing these communications. How do what's the best practice for that? And I don't think that that's an incredibly uh, incredibly a large step to take. I think those are things that we can handle fairly simply and are are good are good steps in the right direction. So. Um, can can I put a, a a little tidy bow on our Google discussion? Yes. So whether or not you believe that Google is um, a, a a competitor about whom you need to be worried, what I would will tell you is this is a huge industry, insurance. I'm talking, and there's good money being made here, and whether Google is the ultimate. Um, new competitor, or they're just one of many more, I think we'll see more competitors in the space before we see fewer competitors in the space. And whether the Google experiment works or not, somebody's experiment is bound to change what we're doing. So just pay attention and be ready to make your moves to stay relevant to your clients. Yeah, that's that's the whole deal is that you know, we've we've both me more than you. So I'd said a lot of words uh, during our first thirty minutes or so of this conversation, and I think the 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 important takeaway is just have your. My dad always. So my dad is a funny dude. He he. Every time I leave the house, even at thirty four years old, he says to me, "Hey, keep your head on a swivel." All the time. I don't. You know. I I guess that means like you know, keep your head up and watch out for bad guys or something. I don't know. But since the time I was five years old to, to today, every time we're in the house, we're in a building together, and I leave, hey, right, keep your head on a swivel. I think that's what we need to do as an industry is is just keep our head up and uh, and keep our eyes on this thing. And um, I don't think we need to make any drastic moves, but I think that uh, just being informed and and willing to take action when we see where the action needs to be made, and I think we'll be just fine. So. All right, we're we probably talked about that a little more than I necessarily wanted to, but it's but it's all really good stuff, and I hope that you guys found value. And a lot of it is kind of theoretical, and it's what me and Marty believe. And um, you know, as we as we go further into Agency Nation Radio, I will try to I'm going to try to keep a little bit of theory because I think it's good stuff. I think it's good to have these conversations with some tactical. So I want to get into a tactical thing that. Um, uh, is is really working well for Agency Nation, and I think it can work really well for your insurance agency. And um, and so let's talk about that. And it's and specifically, it's Facebook native video. So what I mean by Facebook native video are videos that you upload directly to Facebook. So the the opposite of that, and the more traditional way of sharing videos on Facebook has always been through YouTube. You upload your video to YouTube, and then you share the YouTube video on Facebook. Now. What's happening is that Facebook is obviously wants everything to be in Facebook. And uh, though, you know, it's nice to see larger numbers and views and stuff on our YouTube videos, what's most important is that people actually watch your video, right? Because when they watch your video, they get the value out of it and maybe they pick up the phone and call you or they email you or, or they visit your website. 
So we want to stop thinking about con uh, um, uh, counting numbers, like how many views are on my Facebook video, and more importantly, how many people viewed my video total. So what I'm going to recommend is that um, in, when you create a video for your agency, which you should be doing some video marketing, if you have questions about that, uh, obviously leave them in the questions or you can email me, ryan.hanley at trustedchoice.com or we have lots of new articles coming out all the time on Agency Nation. Subscribe and uh, we have a whole category dedicated to, to video marketing so you'll see more and more coming out. But um, he, here's my recommendation. Uh, create two variations of your video. One goes to YouTube and has uh, kind of classic um, annotations, get let people subscribe, that kind of stuff. And then a second version that's tailored to Facebook. So where maybe your intro to your YouTube video says uh, at the end or the outro to your YouTube video says, and if you like this video or if you enjoyed this video or got value out of it, make sure you like it or thumbs up it or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Create a second version that says, um, you know, if you enjoyed this video, make sure you like our page or share it with your friends or click the like button. You know, add those calls to action so that they're geared towards Facebook. And then upload the second version directly into Facebook. And the reason that you want to upload it directly to Facebook is twofold. One, videos that are uploaded directly to Facebook automatically play in your uh, fans' News feed. So if someone sees your post come through, the video starts to play. Now it's muted until they unmute it, but the action starts to move. It catches their attention. They're much more likely to watch that video. Second, uh, Facebook is currently giving a higher priority in terms of how much juice there is um, in its edge rank. So edge rank is, you know, I'm getting kind of technical and I apologize about that, but um, Facebook has its own algorithm. You may have heard that for how it puts posts into into news feeds when a, a, a video that is uploaded directly is getting higher priority today now that may change down the road but today it's getting higher priority so um, so here's the quick tip um, use your cell phone camera to answer qu questions and upload them directly to Facebook you can do it super easy they can be super rough this doesn't have to be really high quality stuff but what you're doing is trying to once, twice a week, maybe even more if you have the bandwidth, just answer a very simple question. So someone calls and says, um, Marty, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at my, my policy here and I really want to pay uh, annual, but I'm not sure how to set my policy up for annual. And you walk them through the process here. You just go here, click this button, put in your credit card or whatever, and bam, you can pay on an annual basis. That is a great question that I'm sure more of your audience has. So then take your cell phone camera, answer that same question into your cell phone, upload it directly to Facebook, and get that in front of your audience. Really quick, really easy. I mean, you're talking five minutes at the most. It takes all the complications of uploading it to Facebook and embedding it in your site. It takes all that stuff out, and, um, and you can hit your audience up multiple times a week. Super, super easy, super quick. And uh, the video doesn't have to be super professionally done. But you're getting a lot more reach and a lot more action on your Facebook page. And I think it's an incredible opportunity for agencies. So, Ryan, let's talk real briefly about uh, one of the best accessories for using that cell phone for video. You showed it to me uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's called the selfie stick. Go. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I'm not necessarily proud of my selfie stick because um, it does have some negative connotations. But I think I think um, when you're using it for video in this way, uh, selfie sticks are just basically retractable. They almost for the golfers out there, it's uh, your retractable ball retriever, except it has a little. Um, it has pinchers on the end to hold your cell phone in place instead of scooping up a golf ball. Uh, but basically, it allows you to pull the cell phone camera away from your body so that you can talk into it and record a video. And it doesn't—you don't have that weird arm angle thing. Um, that's nice. Another nice thing is there's like a seven-dollar tripod that you can get on Amazon that that holds your cell phone. Another great tool. I mean, it's like I said, it's seven bucks. It sits right on your desk. You can talk into it. Captures um, the video nice and steady. Uh, another really good accessory. Um, if you want to capture audio a little better, um, a company called Blue, Blue Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y. Uh, if you type in Blue Mikey, it's a mic that plugs directly into your iPhone, captures audio really well, costs like 50 bucks. So you plug that in, put your, put your cell phone on a tripod on your desk, and now you're capturing HD quality um, really nice audio. You can do it almost anywhere. It's a directional mic, so you can even be in a room that has a little bit of background noise, and the audio will still come out pretty clear. And uh, and now you can create really nice videos and get them out on a regular basis. Here's one more really cool thing about Facebook Native Video, Marty, is that uh, let's say you then down the line wanted to repurpose that video and embed it on your website, right? Um Facebook now allows you to embed Facebook videos into blog posts. So um, if, you're, if you're on your Facebook page and you have a video, there's a little carrot thing on the upper right-hand corner of every Facebook post. And if you click that, one of the options will be embed video. You click that button, it gives you a little piece of code, you stick that code in your blog post, and now the Facebook video that you created People are able to watch that on your uh, website. Really, really nice and easy. Um, I definitely think you should always also have the video on YouTube, but you can do that later on. Uh, The purpose of this is getting out actionable information very quick, um, as often as possible to your Facebook audience so that they can see you, they can see your face, they can hear your voice, you stay top of mind. Uh, you can deliver valuable information to them. And I think that uh, for agents who kind of make this part of their culture or their daily routine, there is some incredible opportunity here. Yeah. That, for any content, the whole idea is to have people interact, to see it, to read it, to comment on it. And so by putting that out in the Facebook stream, you've got a, you've got a pre-made audience. It's a lot harder to maybe start a YouTube channel f- from scratch. Uh, your Facebook, you've already got a list. Yeah, and, and you can also, you know, this is going to get super tactical, but you then you can run ads at specific audiences, and there's all kinds of really cool stuff you can do, and, and we'll talk about more of that stuff in the future. But uh, for today, I just wanted to hit on um, the idea of these native videos, these videos that are uploaded directly into Facebook, and uh, just how powerful they can be. They just have they they have much higher reach or, or wider reach, and uh, they're getting tons of views. People are watching these. Um, so the, the trick is keep them short, keep them actionable. Um, you know, you, if you can if you can be in a place that 
outside of your office that's interesting, catch people's attention, any of that kind of stuff. You'll have to play around with them, but short, quick, actionable piece of information, um, really, really valuable. And uh, and then obviously you can embed them in your site. Uh, so, Ryan, I was just going to state that one of the questions we get on a regular basis is, that video stuff looks so complicated, I don't think we could do it in my office. And I just wanted to uh, remind our audience, any of you that might be coming out to Brand Camp in St. Louis in a couple, three weeks, middle of uh, May, Ryan and I will be leading a session on Sunday uh, on effective use of video in uh, the insurance agency. Yeah, Brand Camp, great event held by Artrike, uh, Peter Van Artrike and Rick Morgan. Um, the whole Artrike team is going to be there. Lots of really great professionals, tons of people that um, I have been virtual friends for, virtual friends with for years and years. I'm going to get to meet in person for the first time. And uh, Marty, I know same with you. And um, it, it's going to be a great event. And uh, if you if you're really interested in kind of taking your 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 agency's messaging to the next level, this is an event that you want to be at. Um, you know, Pe- anything that Peter and Rick do is going to be super high quality. Um, I was actually at Brand Camp two years ago, and just uh, it, the event has always stuck in my mind. It's always been an event that I've gone back to and told people, "Hey, if you can make it to this, go." So I'm. I feel. Uh, incredibly blessed to be going this year. Marty, we're going to put on a great thing, and we've actually bringing a couple of our team members. That's how uh, important I think Brand Camp is to our industry. Um, we're bringing a couple of the, the TrustedChoice.com team members as well, too, just because we want them to be exposed to all the great professionals that are going to be there. That is correct. It is uh, May 17th through the 19th, St. Louis. If you want to uh, if you want to get some more information, it's at rtrike.com. For those of you that uh, aren't familiar with that name it's a it's a fairly odd spelling a-a-r-t-r-i-j-k dot com so artrick and also uh agencynation.com forward slash show zero two we'll have links up to brand camps you can learn more i'll i'll uh embed a facebook video so you can see uh, an example of what a Facebook video looks like embedded on a, on a website. So you get to see that. And I'll have links to all the resources that we talked about in today's episode. Um, you know, I, I really hope that you guys, uh, you know, kind of uh, appreciate the theory side of this. That's the, the one thing as this show evolves. We'll, we'll be taking in a lot of feedback and, and um, you know, what I'm, what I'm really hoping to get out of you guys. So come into the comments. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you like. Um, this kind of mix of the the theory conceptual side of what we do, and uh, as well as the tactical, and we can we can help dial in that mix. Uh, if you're listening to this show on iTunes or Stitcher, we would appreciate a rating and review. It's how we uh, kind of expand the reach of the show, reach more insurance professionals like yourself. Uh, you know, honest rating review, we love it. If you have any comments, bring them in the comments. Marty, any finishing thoughts before we get out of here? The only thing I would say is if you got a great idea for a uh, contest, we'd love your ideas because uh, who knows, maybe you'll get a bottle of wine. Oh, I love that. That is the perfect out. Let's do it. We're out of here. Bye.